Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Well, once again, you're welcome to Lifelong Anointing Church, and uh, we are continuing in our series on spiritual disciplines. Since the beginning of the month, we've started this particular series on spiritual disciplines, and the whole idea is that you want to be able to see if we can build a solid foundation upon which we'll be able to progress in the new year. We said the foundation of our success, and the foundation of the success in life, not just in a year, but in a life, depends on the depth of our spiritual lives. The depth of our spiritual life will determine how much or what we'll be able to receive from the Almighty God. Our steadfastness in our work with the Lord, our stability in our work with the Lord, our success in life and in ministry is a function of our depths, the depth of our work with the Almighty God. If you have a shallow work with the Almighty God, then you have a, uh, experiences with the Almighty God will not be exactly what we expect it to be. The deeper we are spiritually, the greater our chances of tapping into the treasures of heaven. The deeper we are into the things of God, the more we have the access to the revelations of the Almighty God. The practice of some spiritual discipline will not only help us grow deeper in the things of God, it will help us to be able to sustain our work with Him. So that is basically why we are doing this particular series. And the question now is, what is spiritual discipline? Spiritual discipline, like we talked about in the past uh, series, in the past messages, is that is those particular practices that promote and sustain spiritual growth in our lives. Spiritual disciplines are those practices and those things that we do on a regular basis that grow and sustains our work with the Almighty God. Okay, They are the habits or the, of devotion, the habits of devotion and the experiential Christianity that have been practiced by people all through the ages. They are the habits that we practice on a daily basis. Spiritual disciplines are the activities that you go through on a daily, regular basis. They are not just attitude, but they are activities. Okay, They are things like... There are things like prayer that we pray, fasting that we go through, worship that we go through, the things that we do on a regular basis that will help us not just to be able to connect with God, but to connect with fellow believers. So spiritual disciplines are activities. And the goal of every spiritual discipline is to make us more like Christ, to make us grow like children of God, to make us be able to develop the character of God, to be able to grow in the, in the mind, you know, grow the mind and the attitude and the image of Christ. That is the whole essence of of spiritual discipline. Now the question is, what do we do? You know, the question is, what do we? Uh, why do we practice spiritual discipline in the first place? Why do we practice spiritual discipline in the first place? We practice spiritual discipline because of intimacy. You want to grow intimate with the Almighty God. In other words, the more you practice the act of prayer, the more you practice the act of studying the Word of God, the more you practice the act of worship. What happens is that you grow deeper in your relationship with God. You become intimate with the Almighty God. That is one of the reasons why we do spiritual, spiritual discipline. We do spiritual discipline for the sake of fellowship. 
In order to be able to maintain your fellowship with the Almighty God, you have to do what? You have to continue to, you know, you have to continue to build that particular, uh, build those, uh, those spiritual disciplines. It's just like if you have a friend, if you want to maintain that relationship with that friend, what happens is that you have to communicate with that friend on a regular basis. You cannot say you have a close friend that you don't talk to maybe once every two years or once every three years. You cannot, that intimacy will not be there. That fellowship will not be there. The reason why you maintain spiritual discipline on a regular basis is number one, for intimacy, number two, for fellowship, number three, so that you can grow like him. You can develop the image of God in you. You will notice that when you are very close to a particular individual, at one point in time, you start exhibiting some of those characters of those individuals. You start seeing some of the behaviors of those individuals in your life. You start seeing some of those attitudes and so attributes of those individuals showing up in your life. And the same thing, the closer you are to God in your daily spiritual discipline, the more you will see the attitude of God being reflected and revealed in our individual lives on a daily basis. Now, there are several spiritual disciplines that, you know, that a Christian needs to be engaged in. And the very first one we talked about was the discipline of the word. The discipline of the word. In other words, you have to be engaged in the study and the understanding of the word of God. Well, you know, we, we said that one of the most basic one is a you know is the engaging of the study of word. And the Bible tells us in the book of Second Timothy chapter two, reading from verse number fifteen, it says, "Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." The Bible even encourages it, asks us to study to show ourselves. Approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. So every believer is expected to know, you know, to, to spend time in the word of God. So that you can get to know what the word of God is teaching. So that you can get to understand what the word of God is saying. And in the process, what you find is that there is power in that word. Why? Because the power, the word of God has the ability to teach. It has the ability to teach us what we do not know. He has the ability to reprove us when we are going wrong. He has the ability to correct us when we are on the wrong path. And he has the ability to instruct us in the path of righteousness. That is why we study the word of God. And today we are looking at spiritual discipline number two. Spiritual discipline number two is the discipline of prayer. The discipline of prayer. And like you heard it during the... Uh, you heard during the time of announcements, we have several opportunities for us to be able to pray. Every Friday we're coming together and we pray. Every day, once a month, we have a general, you know, uh, call, uh, gathering of prayer where people are able to encounter the presence of the Almighty God and present their daily needs and present their uh, present their petitions to the Almighty God. So, the discipline of prayer is what we are looking at today. And we take our text from the book of Luke, chapter eleven, reading from verse number one. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees one of his disciples said unto him, "Lord, teach us to pray," as John taught his disciples. The Bible is basically telling us that Jesus Christ was praying at a particular place. And as he was praying, I'm sure the people, the disciples have seen men pray before. They have seen other people pray before. The Bible will say that John the Baptist taught them because some of them were, were the disciples of John. Some of them were the people that are following, who have been following John before. But when John introduced the Lord Jesus Christ, these people stopped following John and they started following the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them have seen prayer prayed before. But when they saw Jesus pray, they now made a request. They said the Bible, well, you know, when the Bible, the Bible tells us that when the disciples were observing Christ as he was praying, and when he was done praying, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. The question is, why is it important for the disciples to learn how to pray? Like I was saying, many of these guys already know how to pray. 
They were, they were raised as Jews. They were, they were just disciples. They have been taught all their lives to know how to pray. The question is, why are they asking Jesus to pray? Why are they asking Jesus Christ to teach them how to pray? The thing is that they noticed the difference. They noticed that Jesus Christ was not praying like any other person. He was not praying like the regular Jews that they used to pray, that, that, they've, known, uh, that, that, that they've seen pray. He's not praying like the other regular Pharisees or the other regular preachers. They saw that there was something different about the prayer of Jesus Christ. And number one, they saw that he prayed with passion. That was why they wanted to him to teach them how to pray. They saw that he prayed with conviction. That's why they wanted him to teach them. They saw that he prayed with purpose. He wasn't just praying all the, you know, shooting prayers every direction. He prayed with a specific target, a specific purpose. Number four, he prayed with faith, believing that God will hear and will answer. He prayed with authority because he knew that whenever he asked the Almighty God, whenever I asked him, God himself was going to give it to him. And then he prayed with expectation. He prayed because he knew that God was, anything he asked of God, he was expecting to receive an answer. He wasn't just praying because he felt, okay, this is what we do in church. And at the end of the day, he wasn't expecting anything. He was expecting. He prayed with expectation. He prayed with authority. He prayed with faith. He prayed with purpose. He prayed with conviction. He prayed with passion. And not only that, he prayed with assurance. He prayed with assurance because he knows. If you remember when he was standing at the grave of Lazarus, he said, Father, I thank you because you always hear me. There is that assurance at the back of his mind that yes, whenever he opens his mouth to talk to the Almighty God, God always hears. So he prayed with, he prayed with assurance. And the disciples saw this. When the disciples saw it, they said, we want to pray like this man. We want to have the same assurance like this man. We want to have the same expectations like this man. We want to have the same purpose and we say passion as this man. And because they saw all this, they said, let, you know, let me say, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, there's one quick caveat that I want to add. There are some people who look upon the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ and they believe that, yes, I mean, he's Jesus. He should pray with power. He should pray with purpose. He should pray with expectation. He's God. He's Jesus Christ. He's God incarnate. But one thing they fail to realize is this. When Jesus was on the face of the earth, he did not fully exercise his God attribute. He walked among us just like any other man did walk. You know, they walked among us, not not uh, not displaying his his power. And that was when he was arrested. He said something. He said, "I can call legions of God. I can call the you know host of heaven to come and destroy these people. But I won't do that because that is not why I'm here." If you read the book of Hebrews, chapter four. Hebrews chapter 4, reading from verse number 15. The Bible tells us there, for it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all point tempted as we are, yet without sin. In other words, when Jesus walked upon the face of the earth, he walked just like you and I. And his prayer was not because he was he didn't have the power in prayer because he was the son of God. He had the power in prayer because he was willing to go through the spiritual discipline of going to you know of, of praying. In other words, Jesus, when Jesus was here on earth, he grew, he went he he did not go about flaunting his spirit, uh, flaunting his divine power. He went through everything based, you know, just like you and I. And that's what the book, the book, of, uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 8, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 5, reading from verse 8 tells us, he said, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. In other words, he was the son of God, but he did not, he did not uh, exercise that attribute when he was working with us. The reason is because he had to be able to go through everything just like you and I, because that's why, that is the whole purpose of the salvation experience. So though he were his son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. In other words, Christ's power in prayer, where he, Christ's power in prayer came as, you know, when he walked upon the earth was not automatic. His ability to pray was not automatic. 
His ability to be able to see the supernatural move on his behalf was not automatic. Christ had to develop that ability when he was with us in the flesh. He went through the years, he went through life, through because he had to go through what is called the spiritual discipline of prayer. The Bible says sometimes he will go early in the morning, he will go to, he will retreat to a place to go and pray. In Luke chapter 6, from verse 12, it tells us he prayed all night. In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible told us that after he has been baptized and he came out of the water, he went into the wilderness for 40 days to fast and to pray. That is what is referred to as spiritual discipline. So the power that Jesus Christ exhibited on earth was not automatic. It came as a result also of spiritual discipline. And if Jesus needed spiritual discipline to be able to be to be able to fulfill his calling upon this earth, what about you? What about me? Okay? So we all know, you know, the whole idea is that spiritual discipline is not just reserved for a group of people. It's for everybody. If we are going to grow, if we are going to experience the mercy of God, if we are going to experience the power of God, if we are going to experience God move on our behalf, we have to engage in the spiritual discipline of prayer. And that is why we are looking at this particular topic today. So one thing we also should know, you know, in order to go deeply into this word, one thing I wanted to, you know, you know as, a, as, a, as a kind of introduction, I want to bring us to the fact that many of us ask the question, why do you even need to pray in the first place? I mean, God is everywhere. The Bible says God is everywhere. God knows everything. God knows your thought. God knows my thought. God knows everything. Why then do you need to talk to somebody who already knows your thought? Why do we have to pray? Why do we have to pray if God already knows everything? Why do we have to pray, you know, spend hours seeking his face in Nigeria if God already knows? To answer that question, let's ask the question in a different form. The question the different form is that what is prayer in the first place? What is prayer? Prayer, you know, because it is when you understand what prayer is, that is what will give you an understanding why we need to pray. When you understand what prayer is, it's easier for you to understand why you need to pray. So what is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. That is the simplest way to define it. It's communication with God. It's basically talking to the Almighty God. And that's why you notice anytime we pray here, we say, open your mouth and talk to the Almighty God. In other words, prayer is communication with God. It is talking to God. If prayer is talking to God, then why then do you pray? Why then do you pray? When you understand that prayer is talking to God, you will now notice that the original meaning of the of the, 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 the meaning of the original question that we ask, why do we need to pray, takes every, you know, it takes up a different meaning. And the question becomes, why do you need to talk to God? Okay? Why do you need to talk to God? And your response to the question of why you need to talk to God depends on two things. Number one, do you have a relationship with Him or not? Because if you don't have a relationship with God, you don't have any reason to talk to Him. I mean, why do you have to talk to somebody you don't know? You get the idea? When you don't have a relationship with God, there is no reason for you to talk to Him. There is no reason for you to pray because you don't know Him. It is very difficult for me to walk up, on, to walk up to somebody strange on the road, somebody I don't know on the road, and start having a conversation with that person. No. The only reason I would do that is because if I want direction, or I want help from that person. And the same thing. The only time somebody who has no relationship with God will talk to God is when that person is asking for forgiveness of sin or to have a relationship with him based on the finished work of Christ on the, on the, on the cross of Calvary. When that person wants to be born again, that's when that person prays. But when you don't have a relationship with God, you have no reason to talk to him. You have no reason to have any to have any, any conversation with him. But when you are born again, when you are a child of God, when you have had a relationship with the Almighty God, the question is, why don't you talk to him? The question is, why are you not talking to him? You understand the idea? 
If I have a relationship with my wife, I have a relationship with my daughter, I have a relationship with my friend, I have a relationship with people around me, the question is, why am I talking to them? The, the question is not, why am I talking to them? The question should be, why are you not talking to them? Because it doesn't make sense if you say you have a relationship with somebody and you're not talking to that person. It doesn't make sense if you say you have a relationship with somebody and you are not, you know, you are not spending time, you're not engaging that person. So the issue of why do we have to pray is a function of whether you have a relationship with God or you don't have a relationship with God. Because if you do have a relationship with God, the question is not why should I pray? The question is why should I not pray? Okay? So why do we pray? Why do we talk to people we have a relationship with? Why do we talk to God? Okay? How do you go about, you know, how do you get to know somebody? How do you get to know somebody if you don't talk to that person? How do you get to develop a relationship with that person if you don't get to talk to that person? How do you get to build a fellowship with that person and grow deeper in your work with that person if you don't talk to that person? And the avenue that we have to talk to God is through prayer. And that's why Christians pray. So we pray because we have a relationship with God. That is the thing. We pray because we want to deepen our relationship with God. We pray because we want to have fellowship with the Almighty God. We pray because we want to hear Him talk to us. Okay? We want God to talk to us. That's why we pray. We pray because we want to commune with Him. We pray because we have, you know, we want to fellowship with Him. We pray because we want to enjoy His company. That's why we pray. But if you look at, just picture your friend. Why do you talk to your friend? Why do you spend time with your friend? Is it not because just to enjoy their company, just to know what they're thinking, just to hear them talk to you, just to bounce ideas from them, just to think, you know, talk about what is going on in their life? It's just to be able to enjoy and have communion and have fellowship. That's why you talk to your friend. The same way, that's why you talk to God. Because you want to have fellowship with Him. Because you want to deepen your relationship. Because you want to enjoy His company. Because you want to hear His opinion. Because you want to hear from Him. Because you want, you to, you want Him to tell you your, His plans and His purpose for your life. That is why you talk to Him. Prayer is essential if we intend to grow in our relationship with the Almighty God. Prayer is, is, is very, very essential if we want to grow our relationship with the Lord God Almighty. The question is, what are the kind of prayers that are out there? What are the kind of prayers that we have? We have different kind of prayers that are out there. The first one that most people are ever, most people are very familiar with, if when they pray, is the prayer of request. Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. Lord, give me that. It's a, it's a standard kind of prayer. Everybody prays it. God, give me something. But there's also, apart from the prayer of request, there is also the prayer of intercession. Where you are not asking for yourself, you are asking for other people. You are saying, Lord, touch the life of this individual. Bless this particular person. Provide for this particular person. You are no longer the center of attraction. You are no longer the center of attention. You are now bringing somebody else into the presence of the Almighty God. And you are interceding on their behalf. It's just like when you are talking to a friend. And you are telling them, you know my, my friend Jane. And, and, and I don't want you to do anything for me. Now I'm, not, I'm asking something for my friend Jane. You are bringing your friend into the presence of the Almighty God. And asking God to do something for that person that is the prayer of intercession then you have what is called the prayer of petition then you have the prayer of praise when you come into the presence of the almighty god and all you do is just say i thank you i bless your name i worship you when you just give him praise for who he is then you have the prayer of thanksgiving when you just thank him for all the blessings that you enjoy you have the prayer of supplication then you have the prayer of agreement you have the prayer of a deliverance you have all sorts of prayer that are out there the idea is that to be able to know what kind of prayer to pray when you have a particular kind of need the same you cannot pray the same prayer for every kind of occasion there are different occasions that require different kinds of prayer and if we understand the different kinds of prayer we'll be able to pray them at the right time now the question is when do you pray when do we pray 
The Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, reading from verse number 1. The Bible says, And he speak a parable unto them, and the prayer speak a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. So when is the best time to pray? You pray, number one, the very best time to pray, like the Bible says, is always. And by always, it means that it doesn't mean you're just going about the whole day, not doing anything but praying. But it means that any time you have the, you know, any time your attention is drawn to a particular issue, you can send a praise to the Almighty God. You can send the thanksgiving to the, to, the, to the heavenlies. It's always, you have the consciousness of God in your life. The consciousness of your God, uh, of the consciousness of God in your life every minute of the day. That is the attitude of prayer. So you pray, you pray every time you remember the Almighty God. You pray early in the morning. You pray late at night. You pray when you can focus on the Almighty God. You pray when your heart wants to sing praise to the Almighty God, you pray basically every moment of you know every minute of the day. In other words, you maintain an attitude of prayer every day, so that when you come into any situation or you encounter any kind any condition, you are able to remember God and place God in that particular situation. So that's when the Bible that's what the Bible is referring to. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. In other words, have that attitude of prayer that remembers and applies everything and give God praise in every situation. Okay. So how then do we pray? How then do we pray? Because that is one of the biggest challenges. How then do we pray? We pray by praying. It might appear as if a little bit cheesy, but that is the 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 the, the, the base the, the the basic idea is that you can study all the books on prayer and you still not know how to pray. You can listen to me talk about prayer from now till kingdom come and it will still not teach you how to pray. The only way a man knows how to pray is to begin to pray. Okay? How do you ride the bicycle? You don't ride the bicycle by watching the video. You ride the bicycle by getting on a bicycle and actually driving one, and actually riding one. How do you lose weight? You don't lose weight by just watching television. You lose weight by actually going to the gym and actually being, you know, going on the treadmill and going on all the cardio and doing what you need to do to be able to lose. So the idea is to pray, to learn how to pray, you have to start the prayer. But number two, we also pray with songs. We also pray by singing. When you take a particular song that exalts the name of the Almighty God or expresses the deeper feelings of your heart, you sing it back to the Almighty God. And before you know what's happening, your spirit is caught up in that song and you begin to speak to the Almighty God. So we pray number one by praying. We pray number two by singing. We pray number three by the word of God, by reading the word of the Almighty God. There are times when you open the scriptures and that's why you see most of the time before we start a service, we will read from the Psalms because the Psalms is like a prayer book. You open the book of Psalm and you see the prayer of David there. If you read that particular word and you just read the word back to the Almighty God, it lifts your spirit into prayer. So you pray number one by praying. You pray number two with the songs. You pray number three with the word. You pray number four by praying the promises of the Almighty God. The Bible says, I know the talk that I think towards you, that the talk of good and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You take that particular promise and you say, Lord, this is what you said concerning me. And you say that word back to the Almighty God. The Bible says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall not be put to shame. You say, Lord God Almighty, I am calling upon your name based on your word. Let, let me not be put to shame. So in other words, you take the promise of God and say it back to him. And that is what is called prayer. That, that is praying the promises of God. You also pray in the spirit. Prayer in the spirit is the one where you pray. The Bible said that we do not know how to pray. But the spirit of God prays through us with words that cannot be, with, 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 with uttering. 
with words that cannot be uttered. In other words, with growing that cannot be uttered in words. In other words, you begin to pray in a language that you don't even understand. So, we pray in the Spirit. And that takes us higher to a new level. We also pray with fellow believers. That's what we do here every morning when the service is about to start. We pray with other believers. That's what's called corporate prayer. Because what happens is, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. In other words, when you are down, somebody is not as, you know, somebody is not as, uh, is not in the same condition that you find yourself. When the two of you start praying, you will see that the fire of the Spirit will be kindled. And when that fire of the Spirit is kindled, your spirit is lifted up and you are also able to pray. You will notice that when you are only, when you are in your own house and you are doing, and you are feeling down, it is very difficult to pray. But when you come to church and you are feeling down and you see the next person praising God in your presence, you see the next person singing praise of the Almighty God, what you will find is that your spirit is lifted up. And as your spirit is lifted up, what happened? You too begin to start praying. So we pray by praying. We pray with the songs of God. We pray with the word of God. We pray with the promises of God. We pray with the spirit of God. We pray with other believers. That is how you move on. And you and the thing is that as you begin to pray all those kinds of prayer, praying the word of God, praying the promise of God, and using the spirit of God to pray, what you will find is that the prayer, you know, you begin to build your relationship with the Almighty God because that is the benefit of prayer. The benefit of prayer is that it builds your relationship with God. The more closer you are to Him, the more He draws close to you. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near unto you. In other words, as you come closer to me in prayer, I will open up the heavens unto you and I'll begin to reveal unto you things that you do not do. So, benefit of prayer is that it draws us closer to the Almighty God. It builds our relationship with God. It deepens our work with the Almighty God because God begins to tell you the things that you do not know. It begins to open your eyes and you begin to see revelations of things that you have no idea of. So, the Lord begins to deepen our work with Him as we pray. It strengthens our fellowship with Him as we pray. And it, you know, and it grants us audience. He grants us audience when we begin to pray. Because as soon as you start talking, He knows that you are calling and He gives you audience. Everyone is attentive unto you as you begin to pray. But one of the greatest, one of the greatest uh, benefits of prayer is found in the book of uh, Psalm 65. In Psalm 65, reading from verse number 2, the Bible tells us there, He said, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. In other words, the benefit of prayer is that God hears and answers prayer. And that is why you notice anytime we pray, we first of all say, Father, we thank you because you hear and you answer prayer. It is because of answered prayer that many of us are still alive today. It is because of answered prayer that this door is still open. It is because of answered prayer that many of us have not been consumed by the workers of, by the workers of iniquity. The answer to prayer is one of the benefits of prayer. It's one of the motivations of prayer. It's one of the reasons why we call upon Him. Why we call upon Him? Because if there is no answer to prayer, why should you pray? If God is not going to answer, why waste your time? If you are talking to somebody and that person does not respond, what is the benefit of talking to that person? So, the, the greatest benefit of prayer is because of answer prayer. And that is why the psalmist says, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. And I pray that as we come unto him today, the testimony and the, 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 the benefit of answer prayer, we will begin to see it in our life in Jesus' name. So, seeing the benefit of prayer, seeing that there are benefits of prayer, the question is, why don't we pray? That's the question. Why don't we pray? Why is it very difficult for Christians to pray? Why is it very difficult for believers to go to the presence of the Almighty God and just talk to the Almighty God? We can understand it if people are if people who are outside are not praying. We can understand it if, if non-believers are praying. They are not praying. We can understand it if people who have no relationship with God are not talking to God. But those of us who claim to have a relationship with God, if we are not talking to God, then there is a problem. Why? 
Why is it that there is no prayer? Why is it that we find difficult? We find it difficult to pray. We will not pray. Number one, like I've said it before, people will not pray. We will not pray as an individual if we have no relationship with God, because it doesn't make sense. Why should you talk to a person you don't know? But apart from that, we will not pray if we have unconfessed sins. If you have unconfessed sins, you will not pray. Just look at a relationship between two individuals. If you have offended somebody, offended your friend, offended your, your, your members of your family, it is very difficult for you to have a conversation with that person when that offense is still there. Okay? When you have angered somebody, or you have made somebody mad, or you have disappointed somebody, or you have done something that that person is not happy with, it is very difficult for you to sit right next to that person and have a jolly conversation with that person. So, when there is unconfessed sins, it is difficult to pray. We will not pray when we harbor unforgiveness. When we refuse to forgive, when we refuse to forgive individuals, it will be very difficult for you to pray. Because if you are holding a grudge against somebody, and you want to sit and have a conversation with that person, it is extremely difficult to have that kind of conversation. The same thing, if you have somebody in your mind that you go to the Lord and say, God, tell, you know, God, do this for me. If there's something inside of you that tells you, how you ask, how can you talk to God when you are still having this in your mind? You remember when Jesus Christ was teaching them how to pray? He said, forgive us our sin as we forgive those who forgive who sins against us. In other words, one of the conditions for approaching the presence of the Almighty God is that you have cleansed, you are forgiven the people who have done something against you so we will not pray we cannot pray we will not pray if we harbor unforgiveness thank you very much for listening to our program today we invite you to join us every sunday at 10 a.m for our sunday worship service at 2711 murfreesboro road in antioch tennessee we also host bible study and prayer meetings every friday at 7 p.m we invite you to join us for our monthly Fresh Encounter Prayer Conference every last Saturday of the month from 12 noon until 3 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.